0: We would like to welcome you to another edition of The Jazz Show on CRTR. My name's Gavin Walker, and I'm your host, as I usually am, or in this case, always am, on Monday nights. And we have some of the very best in jazz music for the next three hours or so. And, of course, we're starting with our jazz feature. But we have a lot to do this evening, and we've got a lot planned for uh, later on in the show. And we hope that you can uh, stay around to, uh, to listen. But our jazz feature is a lot of fun. It's a recording by tenor saxophonist Johnny Griffin, one of my all-time favorites. And a gentleman who was known by different nicknames. He was called the Chicago Fire. Uh, he was known as uh, uh, the fastest tenor in the West. <laughs> um, but he was best known because of his small size. He was only five foot two, and um, he was a small man. He, so he was known as the little giant. And uh, Johnny Griffin was an amazing musician. Uh, he uh, left school um, or graduated from school when he was uh, when he was seventeen, and his instrument by that time he'd become very proficient on the alto saxophone, and. Uh, He was heard around in different jam sessions by none other than Lionel Hampton. And Lionel Hampton, Lionel Hampton's wife, Gladys, was the straw boss of the Lionel Hampton Orchestra. She did all the hiring, the firing, the recruiting, all that kind of stuff, and left the music to Lionel. And she contacted Johnny Griffin and said, we need... A saxophone player. and we would like you to come and join the band, because we know of your abilities. Johnny had, of course, um, studied at uh, the famous Du Sable High School in Chicago under the tutelage of a gentleman by the name a disciplinarian, um, by the name of Captain Walter Diet. And Captain Diet had taught many musicians, including Gene Ammons, Benny Green, uh, Clifford Jordan, Richard Davis, John Gilmore. I could name you dozens of musicians who came through that music program at DuSable High School in Chicago. Johnny Griffin was just one of them. Anyway, uh, little Johnny was uh, uh, pretty excited about being asked to uh, join Lionel Hampton's band, so he showed up with his saxophone uh, and uh, had a meeting with uh, Mrs. Hampton. And, of course, she said, um, that's an alto in that case, right? And Johnny said, yes. Well, she said, I, I, I need a tenor. That's what, I, that's what I, I should have mentioned. I didn't mention that I, we needed a tenor player. We don't need an alto player. And Griffin sort of <laughs> was a little bit uh, chagrined, and um, what happened was uh, she said, uh, "You do play tenor, don't you?" Well, Johnny, at this point had not uh, had not played tenor, but he said, "Yes," and um, uh, said, "Well, uh, I have one, but it's busted, and um, it doesn't play very well." And over to Mrs. Hampton. She looked and she said, Well, we'll buy you a tenor. I'll buy you the best tenor on the market. But you'll be paying for it out of your wages with the band. Okay? That's the deal. And of course, he said yes. <laughs> and uh, of course, Johnny being a, uh, um, a Fine musician at this point. He played clarinet. Uh, He he knew how to read music very well. Um, The switch to tenor really wasn't that big for him, and he managed to uh, uh, convince everybody that he was really a tenor player, and he was, and that became his main instrument. So thanks to Mrs. Hampton, we had one of the major voices of the tenor saxophone uh, right from the get-go. And, of course, Johnny went on to star with Lionel Hampton's band. Then he toured all over the U.S. with Joe Morris's great rhythm and blues band. Uh, and in that band were some pretty prominent musicians just beginning their careers. Philly Joe Jones, Elmo Hope, the pianist, and Percy Heath, the bassist. So Johnny um, associated very early with some, some of the greatest musicians in the world and went on to become a legend in Chicago uh, he, after, after touring with Joe Morris, he moved back home to Chicago and, and played with just about everybody there because the music scene in Chicago, the jazz scene, was so good. And uh, he even did a gig with Thelonious Monk, which augured very well because a couple of years later, Johnny Griffin replaced John Coltrane in Thelonious Monk's quartet. But that came later. So Johnny went on to become one of the major voices of the tenor. He eventually moved to New York, uh, began recording for Blue Note Records, and made uh, several um, wonderful albums for them. Then he moved over to Riverside Records, which was run by Mr. Orrin Keepnews, the late Orrin Keepnews, who we paid tribute to a couple of weeks ago, and... Keep News took a great liking to Johnny Griffin because uh, Johnny was uh, was very businesslike. He was very serious about his music, but he was also a wonderful, warm, and funny personality. And uh, that appealed to Oren Keep News. He was a very accessible uh, man. And uh, Keep News um, decided, signed Johnny to a contract, and uh, the rest is history. And this album that we're going to hear is a result of uh, Oren um liking for Johnny Griffin because he gave him uh, all kinds of opportunities to record and allowed him to record in different contexts. He uh, uh, he set up a big band recording uh, with Johnny Griffin, uh, a more avant-garde-type recording with Johnny and, and a French horn, and um, um, also um, Johnny with... Uh, uh, a Hammond, Oregon, uh, straight-ahead stuff, uh, et cetera, et cetera. Uh, Johnny Griffin with strings. Uh, that was another big expense for Riverside, but Keep News had a lot of faith in, in Johnny Griffin. And, of course, uh, he was also responsible when Johnny um, teamed up with Eddie Lockjaw Davis for a couple of years to form one of the great two-tenor tag team matches. Uh, Keep News recorded a lot of their material, too. But this album is very special. And what it is, is Johnny Griffin's Studio Jazz Party. That's the title of the album. This took place uh, in New York City at Plaza Sound Studios, a huge studio. And um, Oren set up the record date and the engineers and all, uh, all the equipment and put it to Johnny. He said, why don't we have a live recording session where we invite people? To participate, to listen, just as they would in a club, and of course, uh, uh, Griffin said, "Well, of course." And uh, and Orrin Keepnews says, "You put together the band, and we'll do this. Um, you can tell all the musicians that you pick to invite their friends. Uh, refreshments will be supplied uh, by us, and uh, uh, liquid refreshment, food, etc., cetera, etc." Cetera. Uh, comfortable chairs will be set up, and uh, there'll be a, a little bar and all this kind of stuff. And uh, so you you tell your musicians to uh, to invite their their friends, their wives, girlfriends, whatever, and uh, so on and so forth, and I'll do my part. So what Warren Keep News did uh, before the date was uh, stop people on the street <laughs> and got a whole bunch of people uh, coming in uh, or invited to the place. Uh, for this recording session. So we have friends of the musicians, we have people off the street, this kind of thing, uh, creating an instant audience, and of course the music was recorded under the optimum uh, studio conditions. So Griffin was perfect for this, because he loved this kind of scenario. And he not only picked a wonderful band, which I'll tell you about in a second, but he also brought his buddy in ...by the name of Babs Gonzalez. You should be familiar with Babs Gonzalez... ...because he is the composer of our theme song... ...that we've played on this show for years... ...played by Benny Green and company... ...and Babs is one of the voices on that... In, as ...along with the musicians in the band. So Babs composed our theme song. He was an amazing guy... Uh, ...a real jazz character... Uh, he was a singer. Uh, he wrote some, um, some books um, that are hard to find but really interesting reading. Um, and he was just full of jive and, and, and mischief. And Griffin brought him in to be the MC and welcome everybody aboard. So we'll hear Babs uh, introducing the band and, and introducing uh, the tunes and all this kind of stuff in his uh, inimitable way. The people in the band, Griffin, is very smart. He picked an underrated trumpet player. Um, very few people know about this man, but he is one of the finest trumpet players. Never got a lot of recording opportunities, and you'll hear his very tasty work on here. His name is Dave Burns. He died just a few years ago and spent uh, the latter part of his life teaching. Very, very fine and very highly respected trumpeter. Uh, two cronies from Chicago are on board here pianist Norman Simmons who went to school with Johnny Griffin as well as bassist Victor Sproles and on drums a uh, young man who's just entering into the New York jazz scene wonderful drummer who went on to play with Monk and all kinds of people Ben Riley on drums so that's the personnel Johnny Griffin on tenor saxophone, Dave Burns on trumpet, Norman Simmons on piano, Victor Sproles on bass, and Ben Riley on drums, and of course, Babs Gonzalez doing the announcing. Uh, we open with a speech by Babs, and then we go into a tune by Tad Dameron, the longest tune on the album called Good Bait. And then we're going to hear a standard tune that every jazz musician should know, There Will Never Be Another You sometimes known as the Shepherd's Lament, etc. <laughs> we love uh, strange titles. Then a Dave Burns original, an up-tempo thing called Toe Tappin'. And then the Ballad of the Set is the very beautiful tune associated with Billy Holiday and different people. Uh, the tune is You've Changed. And the final tune is a Babs Gonzalez composition, a low-down minor blues thing called Low Gravy, and that will close the set. So we take you to the Plaza Sound Studios in New York City, September twenty seventh, 1960. Our jazz feature this evening, Johnny Griffin's Jazz Studio Party, and here's Mr. Gonzalez to introduce everybody and welcome you.
1: Watch it now, watch it, everybody. We're getting ready to roll. Quiet, please.
2: Yeah, what kind so of party is, is this? Yeah, yeah.
1: <laughs> all right, that's all right with me. <laughs> <laughs> all right, okay. All <laughs> oh, <okay. laughs> you no, don't make me laugh. Crazy, no, watch it, laugh. everybody. Good evening, ladies and gentlemen. I'm your host, Babs Gonzalez. Welcome to Riverside Records Jazz Party. The purpose of this little gathering is to acquaint some of you who are not familiar with a recording session and also to hope that your presence will add warmth not only to the musicians but also to convey it to the audience who are not fortunate enough to be here in person. Just relax, y'all. Be cool. Have your ball as the fellows ease into their first irini, and you go to the Irene and replenish yourself, like I said, and don't let it go Where? to waste. That's right. Now I'm telling you like it is. So you got it. I'm through with it. Now, something written by Ted Dameron, one of our everybody in here's constituent. This thing has been very exploiting through the years, and it's called... Good bait. Now, I don't know what kind of bait that is, but I imagine if Tad wrote it, it's good. Good. Voila. Griffin (laughs) Aloe. (laughs) Oh <laughs> Be quiet except when you go up to get your drinks and talk to your other friends. Now here we go. Watch it. Griffin's gone. Watch he's counted off. Yo, got it. <laughs> now, mesdames et messieurs, in selection, du mon ami, mademoiselle Billie Holiday, you have changed.
0: And there it is, the Jazz Studio Party with Johnny Griffin and company, recorded, of course, at uh, Plaza Sound Studios in New York City, September 27th, 1960, and featured an all-star group put together by tenor saxophonist Johnny Griffin. And, of course, the exuberant MC. Great uh, jive personality, tour author, singer, musician's buddy, Babs Gonzalez, and uh, he did the, uh, the intros and <laughs> the, uh, the patter between tunes. And of course, we heard the little giant on tenor saxophone, the late Johnny Griffin, leading a wonderful and underrated trumpeter and this was the first time they knew each other for a long time but this was actually the first time they'd ever played together and i'm talking about trumpeter dave burns and um if he's not a, a big name in the terms of uh jazz trumpet playing he was a highly respected musician and of course was uh, around and on the scene for a long time, just didn't record a lot for some reason. That that happens. Dave Burns on trumpet. And two buddies of Johnny Griffin's, two schoolmates, former schoolmates, they went to Disable High School in Chicago, and the pianist, Norman Simmons, who went on to play for many, many years with Carmen McRae, and is also a wonderful composer-arranger, Norman Simmons at the piano. And on bass a great bass player that went on to play with Art Blakey's Jazz Messengers and various other groups, Victor Sproles on bass. Very classy guy, too. Um, I only met him once, but uh, we had a nice, uh, nice chat, and uh, I remember meeting him in San Francisco when he was with uh, Art Blakey's Jazz Messengers. And on drums, a newcomer, or then newcomer on the scene, someone who became one of the uh, finest drummers around, Ben Riley. He was a very young man then, and this was one of his first uh, recordings that uh, that he made. And, of course, he went on to play with all kinds of people, including many years with Thelonious Monk. So that uh, is the band. And the tunes we heard, we opened with uh, Tad Dameron's Good Bait, and then we went into... Uh, a tune that a standard tune that was always common at uh, jazz jam sessions. There will never be another you. And then we moved to an exciting up-tempo thing by uh, trumpeter Dave Burns called Toe Tapping. Essentially a, a fast blues, and uh, with all kinds of little things in it. And then the ballad of the whole set was uh, a tune associated with Billie Holiday, of course, and the tune was entitled You've changed. And the final tune was written by the irrepressible voice that you heard, Babs Gonzalez. He wrote the tune, especially for the Dayton's minor key blues, entitled Low Gravy. So that's uh, our jazz feature this evening, the Johnny Griffin's Jazz Studio Party, produced by the Redoubtable, Oran Keep News, and issued on Riverside Records. And one of Johnny Griffin's Many recordings for Riverside. All right. We hope you enjoyed the jazz party. We have a a birthday greeting coming up in a few moments. I'd just like to uh, um, run a few things by you until, and we're going to hear a little bit of a dedication in uh, the next tune we're going to play. So, but first of all, I'd just like to tell you that you are listening to The Jazz Show on CITR FM 101.9. Or on your computer, www.citr.ca. And my name's Gavin Walker. This is The Jazz Show. And we'd like to, uh, first of all, tell you about this.
1: Yeah. Oh, see, oh, is- Shout out Migos. Shout out Zaytov.
0: BBC Bike Rave. Yeah.
3: Hey, what's up, Get BBC fan, Bike Rave is back. Deaf and badass, swiper, snappers, getting the grunge, hips down to heavy bass, neon lights, and fast bikes. Join the boisterous conglomeration at Kerners Plaza on March 27th at 8 p.m.
4: We got the glow sticks, we got the music, you bring the party. Get to the, car, to Get, down to the car, to Get to the
3: Hey, I'm Christine. I work in the music department. Hi, my name is Natalie, the new media coordinator. Hey, it's uh, Rohi Joseph, sponsorship coordinator. Hi, this is Yusin. I'm the outreach coordinator. This is Brenda, host of Peanut Butter and Jams on Thursdays. Nasher, the ad coordinator at CITR. My name is Robin Ellen. I'm the program manager. Hi, I'm Eric Coates, the student music executive. This is Costa, the news director. Hey, it's John, the production coordinator. Hey, this is Josh, I'm the Digital Submissions Coordinator. I'm Nellie, host of The Cat's Pajams. This is Matt Granlund from
1: Stranded, the Australian Canadian Music and Talk Show. My name is Hugo, I'm the Volunteer Manager.
3: Hey, I'm Jane. I'm the Volunteer Coordinator. Hey, it's Sarah corden from the CITR Music Department. This is Eleanor Waring, President of CITR Student Executive. From all of us at CITR, we would like to acknowledge and thank everyone who donated to this year's Fund Drive. With the help of listeners like you, we raised over $38,000. For this incredible generosity, we would like to say thank you. Thanks. You. Thank you for donating to Drive. Thank you very much for your support. We love you guys. Take it easy. Thank you so much for donating to Fundrive. Thank you. Your donation makes such a huge difference. Thank you so much for all your donations. Thank you very much. Thank you so much. Thank you so much for your support. Thank you all so much for your support. Thank you very much to everybody that donated Fun Drive. Thank you. Thank you for your support. Thank you for supporting this year's Fundrive. Drive. Thanks, guys, for volunteering and donating. Thank you so much for donating to CITR's Fund Drive this year. Thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you.
0: Next up is a piece of music. Well, we heard some musicians from the East Coast. We're going to hear some musicians from the West Coast, specifically Los Angeles, and one of the finest jazz bands uh, in existence, was led by a bassist named Curtis Counts, and he put together this particular band. They did a whole series of recordings for contemporary records, and these recordings are are so good. Uh, West Coast jazz at this time, which was in the mid-'50s, was kind of um, a lot of... Some of it was just great. Some of it was kind of overwritten, overarranged, and um kind of you know didn't uh, didn 't have that 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 drive and that kind of hunger that uh, uh, New York jazz was happening. This band was an exception, and this band showed that the West coasters could do it too, and uh, this band should have been recognized um, a lot more than it was. They eventually disbanded. But uh, they did play a lot of gigs around the uh, LA area area and made um, a lot of recordings for contemporary records. And I maintain this is one of the finest bands, jazz groups ever to come out of Los Angeles, led by bassist Curtis Counts, who was originally from Kansas City, Missouri. He put together a band with Jack Sheldon on trumpet who was still alive and well, one of the great characters in jazz and one of the finest trumpet players, and he wrote this piece that we're going to hear. On tenor saxophone, one of my all-time favorites, and someone I got to know very well, the late, great Harold Land. And on piano, uh, a gentleman who departed far too soon, and uh, unfortunately drugs were involved. And we lost Carl Perkins. And Carl Perkins was one of the most promising piano players ever to emerge on the jazz scene. Uh, Miles Davis was interested in hiring him, and he had all kinds of opportunities. And unfortunately, uh, drugs took over, and he died of an overdose in 1958, much to the um, unhappiness of everyone losing a musician of that caliber. So Carl Perkins on piano and the great Frank Butler on drums. So this was the Curtis Counts Quintet. I'd like to dedicate this piece to a very special lady who is celebrating a birthday this week, and she also contributed to this show specifically for the fun drive. So I dedicate this and happy birthday to Sarah. This is the title title of the tune as well, written by Jack Sheldon. That's what it's called, Sarah. The uh, second tune took a minute to get going because uh, for some reason the uh, one of the CD players didn't like it. <laughs> so I had to make the switch. So uh, hence the delay between the, the two uh, pieces of music we heard. But the first one was, uh, as I mentioned, uh, a dedication. And uh, the dedication um, was to the person whose... Uh, In the title of the tune, the tune was called Sarah, and it was played by the great Curtis Counts Quintet that was uh, based in Los Angeles and one of the finest jazz groups that the West Coast ever produced. And uh, that included, of course, the bassist and leader, Curtis Counts, uh, along with the great and still alive, very much alive, Jack Sheldon on Trumpet, Harold Land on tenor saxophone, Carl Perkins on piano, and Frank Butler on drums. And that was Jack Sheldon's composition, uh, kind of a slow, moody blues entitled Sarah. The second tune, the one we had uh, a little bit of difficulty getting going, once it finally got going in a different CD player, we got off with a uh, composition by the inventive pianist Jackie Byard. And Jackie Byard could play any style, any way. He was a, a such an accomplished musician, and he was one of uh, Charles Mingus's main men for many years. They, uh, Mingus, <laughs> never uh, never messed with Jackie Byard. They were basically from the same generation, and uh, although they were from different uh, areas in the United States, but uh, Jackie Byard, as I said, could play any style. Played the piano, played the bass, played the saxophone, played the drums, wrote, uh, arranged, composed, was a tremendous musician. Here he was in uh, kind of a free-form setting doing his own composition called Sunshine. And that's from a great Jackie Byrd album that came out on Prestige, recorded in the mid-'60s, called The Sunshine of My Soul. And the other people involved were David Isenson on bass and the great Elvin Jones on drones. And that was recorded on Halloween in 1967. But it must have been a nice day because uh, of the tune, Sunshine. There you go. <laughs> Haunted Sunshine. <laughs> All right. Uh, we've got something to tell you about, and uh, we'll be right back with um, a piece of music. And I did this a couple of weeks ago, but I have uh, two things I want to play for you. It's a beautiful piece of music that was written by uh, Billie Holiday, but never recorded by her because she passed away um, too soon. But we hear the story of how this is recorded by her last accompanist, Mel Waldron, and uh, Mel will explain the whole situation. We'll get to that right after this. I'd just like to remind you that you are listening to The Jazz Show on CITR-FM 101.9 or on your computer, www.citr.ca. And my name's Gavin Walker. This is The Jazz Show, and we'll be right back. do have a bit of weather for you, and, uh, well, kind of got rainy today. It started out pretty good and then turned to rain. Uh, rain um, is supposed to end after midnight tonight. Then it's going to be merely cloudy with some scattered off-and-on showers with a low of 7. Tomorrow is a mix of sun and cloud in the morning and then cloudy with a 40% chance of um, showers later on in the day with a low of 7 and a high of 12. Wednesday uh, looks cloudy with a 70 percent chance of a shower, a low of seven high of 10. Thursday is not much better, but a little bit. Uh, cloudy with a percent uh, cloudy with a 40 percent chance of a shower, a low of seven high of 14 getting warm. Uh, Friday is merely cloudy with a low of nine high of 14. Saturday is a mix of sun and cloud with um, maybe some scattered showers around with a low of eight and a high of 14. Then look out for Sunday. It's sunny with a low of 6 and a high of 17. Wow. All right. We're getting there. This is a piece of music. I'll let Mel Waldron explain. Uh, he was the last uh, piano accompanist. Mel, of course, is a great composer and a wonderful pianist in his own right. But he's, he's talking here to, uh, to Teddy Charles uh, the producer of this album. Teddy Charles, of course, is a great, uh, uh, was a great musician, too. He's going to be one of our jazz feature artists next month. Um, anyway, Mel is chatting with uh, Teddy uh, about this particular song, and uh, the song is called Left Alone. And Mel will tell you uh, how he um, remembers Billie Holiday. It's, about a, it's a, just a short conversation, but it's, it's very interesting. Then we're going to hear Mel play the tune instrumentally uh, with his trio with uh, Julian Ewell on bass and Al Drears on drums, and they're going to play uh, an instrumental version of the tune, Left Alone. Then I'm going to follow that with the words to the song sung by Abby Lincoln. And a whole group of musicians uh, will just segue right into that after that. And I'll tell you uh, uh, all the musicians on there um, after we hear the, uh, the both pieces. But we begin with the uh, conversation first with um, Mel Waldron and Teddy Charles. And he talks about Billy.
5: Well, Mel, I know that you are very serious about your past association with the great Billy Holiday. That association has a lot to do with this album, and also your music in general. Would you care to discuss that? Well, naturally, playing behind a singer like Billy, I got—I received a lot of influence from her way of singing. I've always wanted to play for her, and she helped my phrasing so much because uh, she made me so aware of words, so that I would uh, try to study. The lyrics of a tune before I try to play it, like, for instance, the numbers on the album that we're doing now, the You Don't Know What Love Is. I'm very aware of the words, and I, I try to bring that out when I'm playing the melody. She helped me along those lines. And of course, the tune that uh, she wrote the lyrics of, I feel very close to that because uh, I was there when she got them together. We were on a plane going to San Francisco, and we had about seven hours to kill, you know, nothing to do on the plane, but just sleep or talk. So she decided she wanted to do a tune, and she wanted it to be about her life. Probably be a good idea to put the uh, lyrics in the uh, liner notes. So yeah, like, I'd like, uh, to, do I, I like to do that. I would like to See, that I was very really impressed with myself. Uh, it's a tune that I feel that uh, I'd like the, p- the public to hear. She felt she wanted it to be the story of her life, pretty much, you know. Uh, this, this is going back a bit, but I wonder when you first heard Billy. I was, well, years ago. I guess about 12 years ago. I wasn't playing music at all then. And, uh, of course, I never knew I'd end up playing piano for her. What was your reaction when you finally did? Well, kind of... uh I was a little bit in awe of her, naturally. I remember. Yeah. <laughs> I remember how excited yeah. you were. A couple of... Nerve-wracking first uh, appearances. <laughs> <I was> playing, <laughs> yeah. But uh, she was so relaxed and such a warm person that uh, after a while I just felt that she was like my sister, you know, she very close to the family, she was godmother for my baby. Oh, is that right? And uh, we just got so close through the years. I was with her about two and a half years. I just felt very, very relaxed with her about the end. Anything else if you'd like to say? Well, I've uh, I always wanted to dedicate an album to Billy. In fact, uh, we did one before for Lady. We did uh, all the tunes associated with Lady, and I did a couple of the arrangements and played on the date. But uh, after she died, there was such a a rash of that type of thing that I was a little afraid to do it because it seemed to be like jumping on the bandwagon. Mm -hmm. But uh, now enough time has passed, so I I feel... uh, uh, I know I should dedicate an album to her, and and I want to. And I feel that that, uh, now enough time has elapsed, so that I can... uh, do the album without the feeling that I'm, you know, trying to cash in that kind of uh, business. Well, She's always uh, encouraged me so much in my music. Uh, I know whenever we'd work a club date, there'd always be trio sets, you know, she'd sing and then the trio would come on. And she always sat out there and listened, you know. And she'd, uh, she might, it might look as if she was talking or something else, but she was so aware that when I'd come down she'd tell me just what had happened during that yeah, trio yeah. set and, yeah. and you know what she felt I should have added or, or what came over very strong for her you know that, that kind of encouragement so this is the album and uh, I want to dedicate it to her
4: Thank you.
0: Some pretty powerful music. We heard two versions of a tune that was written by Billie Holiday, but unfortunately never recorded by her. But, of course, it echoed her thoughts. And uh, we heard uh, Mel Waldron discuss uh, his uh, relationship with Billie Holiday because he was her piano player for the last two years of her life and toured with her and got to know her very well. And uh, then we heard, um, after the conversation, and I neglected (laughs) to mention the beautiful alto saxophone work of Jackie McLean um, playing the melody on Left Alone with Mel Waldron, the leader, at the piano, Julian Ewell on bass, and Al Drears on drums. Then we went to, um, we heard the words to the tune sung by the great Abbey Lincoln, and uh, she was backed essentially by um, Max Roach's ensemble with um, Walter Benton on tenor saxophone, Eric Dolphy, uh, Booker Little, and Julian Priester, although they weren't heard in solos. The soloist on there after Abby's vocal was the great Coleman Hawkins on tenor saxophone, who was the guest artist, along with Mel Waldron, again on piano, Art Davis on bass, and Max Roach on drums, and of course... Miss Lincoln doing the beautiful vocal on Left Alone. All right. We uh, are going to uh, lift your spirits a little bit and play a couple of tunes by Art Blakey's Jazz Messengers. And uh, we, this is a, the, an edition of the Jazz Messengers, which unfortunately only made one record. But uh, this is a band that I uh, heard. A few weeks after, they um, departed from New York and headed out to uh, the Bay Area to play at the jazz workshop. And this is where I met my good friend Gary Bartz, who is one of the leading alto saxophonists. And, of course, he's become an elder statesman now, one of the great voices of the alto. This was one of his first gigs, was with this edition of Art Blakey's Jazz Messengers. And uh, returning to the fold was Lee Morgan, I've got a Lee Morgan story, but I won't uh, uh, get into that tonight. We're just going to hear the, hear the music. Um, the guest trumpeter on here is a former messenger, Freddie Hubbard. So he's heard as well. So two trumpet players, um, Lee Morgan and Freddie Hubbard, Gary Bartz on alto saxophone, John Hicks on piano. This was one of his first gigs. And the bass player whom we heard on the jazz feature, Victor Sprouls and, of course, Art Blakey on drums. And this is a composition by Lee Morgan dedicated to Art Blakey, and it's called Boo's Bossa. Boo, of course, Art Blakey um, was a Muslim. He had a Muslim name, Abdullah ibn Buhena. And, of course, so he was known um, as Art or Boo. And so that's, this is Boo's Bossa, written by Lee Morgan, played by the 1965 edition of Blakey's Jazz Messengers. We heard three tunes from uh, an album that was issued on uh, Limelight Records, which was a subsidiary of Mercury Records at the time. And uh, the album was called Soul Finger, and it was the 1965 edition of Art Blakey's Jazz Messengers in a band that I got to know quite well and uh, uh, heard uh, twice as a matter of fact, in San Francisco and a little while later in Seattle as well. And the basic personnel of the band was Lee Morgan on trumpet, who had returned to the Blakey Fold, uh, a new voice of the alto saxophone, then new voice, and we became friends in San Francisco, Gary Bartz on alto saxophone. This was his first major gig. And uh, another young man, who was just starting his career, John Hicks at the piano, and, of course, the great Victor Sproles from Chicago on bass, and Art Blakey on drums. Uh, added for this recording uh, was Freddie Hubbard, who was, of course, a former uh, member of the Jazz Messengers, and he was heard on the, on the um, first, uh, well, he was heard on all three tunes, uh we the uh, the compositions we heard we opened with a, a bossa nova written by Lee Morgan uh called Booz Bossa then we went to um a Gary Bartz composition called uh Freedom One Day and it had this kind of uh infectious uh kind of a beat to it and uh the two trumpet players were on there then on the final tune which was not on the uh album originally this was an extra track that was issued somewhere else. Um, the final tune was a composition by John Hicks, and Lee Morgan um, stayed out of this one. So, so essentially it was the quintet with uh, Freddie Hubbard uh, being the sole trumpeter. And the tune, and we heard an extended piano solo too by uh, the composer of the tune, the tune was entitled Slowly But Surely written by young John Hicks. So three tunes from this uh, album uh, called Soul Finger, Art Blicky, and the 1965 edition of the Jazz Messengers. All right, you are listening to CITR FM 101.9. My name is Gavin Walker. We're also on the computer, www.citr.ca. And uh, we have a couple of things to uh, let you in on, including this.
3: Hey, I'm Christine. I work in the music department. Hi, my name is Natalie, the new media coordinator. Hey, it's uh, Rohi Joseph, sponsorship coordinator. Hi, this is UC and I'm the outreach coordinator. This is Brenda, host of Peanut Butter and Jams on Thursdays. Nash, you're the ad coordinator at CITR. My name is Robin Allen. I'm the program manager. Hi, I'm Eric Coates, the student music executive. This is Costa, the news director. Hey, it's John, the production coordinator. Hey, this is Josh, I'm the digital submissions coordinator. I'm Nellie, host of The Cat's Pajams.
1: This is Matt Granlund from Stranded, the Australian Canadian Music and Talk Show. My name is Hugo, I'm the volunteer manager.
3: Hey, I'm Jane. I'm the Volunteer Coordinator. Hey, it's Sarah Courtney Lee from the CITR Music Department. This is Eleanor Waring, President of CITR Student Executive. From all of us at CITR, we would like to acknowledge and thank everyone who donated to this year's Fund Drive. With the help of listeners like you, we raised over $38,000. For this incredible generosity, we would like to say thank you. Thanks, you. Thank you for donating to Fundrive. Thank you very much for your support. We love you guys. Take it easy. Thank you so much for donating to Fundrive. Thank you. Your donation makes such a huge difference. Thank you so much for all your donations. Thank you very much. Thank you so much. Thank you so much for your support. Thank you all so much for your support. Thank you very much to everybody that donated for Fundrive. Thank you. Thank you for your support. Thank you for supporting this year's Fundrive. Thanks, guys, for volunteering and donating. Thank you so much for donating to CITR's Fun Drive this year. Thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you.
0: For a taste of the classics with a twist, Join me, Marguerite, with Classical Chaos, Sunday mornings starting at 9, right here on CITR 101.9 FM, Vancouver, Canada. All right. We'd like to, uh, of course, mention a couple of important websites that you should uh, check out if you haven't already. The first one is uh, Brian Nation's website, who keeps it up to date. And this is where you can find all the gigs and all sorts of things. Very easy, easy website to, uh, uh, navigate around. There's all kinds of links on there. Uh, it's quite, uh, quite the thing, quite the deal. And it's a really good website. Um, there's so many, uh, gigs now in different places in Vancouver. It's, uh, uh, for, uh, for jazz music. And sometimes it's just one night here and one night there and so on and so forth. And, uh, Ryan keeps it uh, completely up to date, and that's a way to find out what's, uh, who's playing what, where, and when. So there you go. Um, it's an excellent website. It's vancouverjazz.com, vancouverjazz.com. The other uh, website, of course, is the website of the Coastal Jazz and Blues Society. And everything you want to know about the Jazz Festival and the events preceding the Jazz Festival are on this comprehensive website. And you can purchase tickets, you can find out how much they're going to cost, where you're going to sit, all the details, everything. Uh, And that's coastaljazz.ca, coastaljazz.ca. That's a really important website. And, uh, of course, um, everybody's interested in uh, all the things that are happening at this year's Jazz Festival. One of the biggest major events that uh, Vancouver has over the summertime. And, of course, there's all kinds of things leading up to the Jazz Festival as well, including the big Tony Bennett Lady Gaga concert at the Queen Elizabeth Theater and so many other things as well. So that's a good idea to get onto that website, check it out, and uh, find out what's really happening in Vancouver. And that's brought to you by the Coastal Jazz and Blues Society. Coastaljazz.ca And one more item, of course, as I always mention, my friend Ken Speller, wonderful music teacher. If you need a teacher of woodwind instruments, um, saxophones, clarinets, flutes, etc., he's a good guy to know. He does that and does it well. Uh, He spent years and years teaching uh, over in Japan and has been here for the last few years. He's a wonderful instrumentalist himself, but Something added to Ken Speller. He repairs saxophones as well, and clarinets and flutes and all your other woodwinds that uh, need um, need repairing and and upkeep. Very important to have. Um, it's like knowing a good mechanic if you have a car and you go to a reliable mechanic because cars things wear out in cars and they need maintenance uh, same as musical instruments especially reed instruments because they've got so many uh keys and springs and pads and all this kind of stuff so uh ken speller's a good guy to know he has his repair shop in his home so he keeps his costs to a minimum and his home is located in the 13th and Lonsdale area of north vancouver You can contact Ken, 778 800 1933, 778 800 1933, or K Speller, K S P E L L E R, underscore 14 at yahoo.ca. K Speller underscore 14 at yahoo.ca. Oscar Peterson up next from a classic album that he did, Music from the West Side Story. We're going to hear three tunes with Oscar's trio one of his great trios with Ray Brown on bass and Ed Thigpen on drums. And uh, this was recorded in 1962 and is one of uh, Oscar Peterson's. It's just, he did so many albums, but this this is a favorite because I think everybody knows the music from West Side Story, which of course was composed by Leonard Bernstein and Stephen Sondheim. And uh, it's a great story, urban story, and the, the music from it, of course, is immortal. So we're going to hear three tunes uh, from there. We're going to hear uh, Something's Coming, and then we're going to hear um, the romantic uh, Tonight, and then we're going to hear the final tune is uh, a tune called I Feel Pretty. So here then is the Oscar Peterson Trio, Music from the West Side Story. Bye. <music> Four tunes by the great Oscar Peterson from his album West Side Story. Of course, the music written by Leonard Bernstein and Stephen Sondheim. We heard, um, (laughs) I mentioned that there was a ballad among among the set, but there there really isn't any sort of ballad interpretation. All the tunes have uh, that Oscar Peterson energy. And of course, the trio, Ray Brown on bass and Ed Thigpen on drums. We heard Something's Coming then we heard Tonight, then we heard Maria, and the final tune, I Feel Pretty. Four tunes from West Side Story, recorded in January of 1962. You are listening to The Jazz Show, of course, on CITR FM 101.9 or on your computer, www.citr.ca. And uh, coming up next is... uh, I can't remember what's coming up next. I'll tell you what's coming up next. Clark, Terry, and Bob Brookmeyer. This is uh, recorded live in uh, New York at the, uh, at the Half Note, which was uh, a very popular club back in the 60s. And we're going to hear Clark and Bob, of course, uh, Clark on uh, trumpet, flugelhorn, and, f- and the first tune on vocal. Uh, Bob Brookmeyer, his partner, on valve trombone. And um, on bass, the great Bill Crow; on drums, David Bailey and Roger kellaway on piano was the regular rhythm section. And we're going to hear two tunes. The first one, of course, is Clark Terry's, is, is a version of of his famous "Mumbles," and and that started out as as a satire, a gentle satire on some of the older blues singers. Uh, that were around uh, back in the day. And I'm talking about like the acoustic guys um, that just played the guitar and, and sang and and, uh, and and were just great. Um, but some of them, of course, the, their accents were so thick that uh, you couldn't under- really understand what they were saying. You could get the feel from the music, but you couldn't understand the words. And so Clark Terry... Um, decided to do a little satire, gentle satire, poking fun at some of these old guys with his uh, famous blues, Mumbles. And, and he reprises it on the first uh, piece of music we're going to hear, which he calls Incoherent Blues. Then the uh, second piece of music is a composition by Thelonious Monk. It's a great version of Straight No Chaser, featuring the whole band stretching out. And uh, this was, this was one of the finest jazz groups ever put together. And uh, they recorded uh, some albums for uh, mainstream records. They're kind of hard to find, but this is some live stuff. And it showed, you know, the difference between recording studio and live music. Live music is always best. So here they are, Clark Terry and Bob Brookmeyer together. Incoherent Blues starts the set. Mark Terry and Bob Brickmeyer and that wonderful little band that they had together in the mid-60s. And we heard two tunes, um, also on piano, uh, Roger Calloway, on bass, Bill Crow, and on drums, David Bailey. Recorded at the Half Note in New York City, that was a well-known club, um, back then, and uh, they were kind of almost a house band there. They, they did a lot of gigs there. They were both very, very busy musicians with TV and radio work and all kinds of stuff, but they um, kept this little band together for several years, and uh, it was so much fun with uh, both gentlemen with great senses of humor and fun. Jazz music is fun and uh, these guys were personification of that. The great late Clark Terry was um, the composer of the first tune, which was really a straight-ahead blues, but he did his mumbles routine uh, on that one, so we heard Clark on uh, trumpet, flugelhorn, and vocal on the first tune called Incoherent Blues, and uh, then we moved to a lengthy version of Thelonious Monk's great tune, Straight No Chaser, and the whole band stretching out on that one. So that's a lot of fun. We're going to wrap things up with a tune with an appropriate title to wrap things up. And I'm talking about a tune written by Hank Mobley, the great tenor saxophonist. This is from an album uh, that Hank did, one of his latter albums that he did for uh, for Blue Note Records entitled Reach Out. And... uh, this features Woody Shaw on trumpet, the late, great Woody Shaw on trumpet, Hank Mobley, of course, the leader on tenor saxophone, George Benson on guitar, whose birthday it was today, Lamont Johnson on piano. Well, it was uh, Benson's birthday yesterday, actually. Today is now, well, it's, it's the next day. <laughs> Lamont Johnson on piano, Bob Cranshaw on bass, who is still with us, yeah. and Billy Higgins on drums. And this is a tune um, appropriately titled for our last selection this evening, Up, Over, and Out, Hank Mobley. And Out. The title of that tune, written by Hank Mobley, featuring some uh, incredible playing by everybody. Of course, Woody Shaw on trumpet, Hank Mobley, the leader on tenor saxophone, George Benson sounding great on guitar, uh, Lamont Johnson on piano, Bob Cranshaw on bass, and Billy Higgins on drums from Hank's Blue Note album called Reach Out. That's it for this evening. Our jazz feature next week is a very special album by a very special band. It's the Cannonball Adderley Legacy Band. And it's from The Cellar. Yes, recorded live. One of the great events. As a matter of fact, Corey Weed said this is probably one of the greatest events that he ever presented at The Cellar. And um, we have uh, a recorded document. The Great... Vincent Herring on alto saxophone, Jeremy Pelt on trumpet, and, uh, and the rest of the band. And, of course, on drums, the original drummer with the Cannonball Adderley Quintet. He worked with Cannonball for so many years. Louis Hayes was the leader. And uh, Desron uh, uh, Douglas on bass, and uh, Rick Germanson on piano. A, a wonderful band, and it's a, a beautiful tribute to the music that Cannonball Adderley presented and made famous. And um, just a great band. And, of course, uh, I was there uh, a couple of nights to hear this band. It it was unbelievable. And um, all of this was recorded at Corey Weed's Jazz Cellar. And it's a great event. It's going to be our jazz feature album next week. So stay tuned for that. And we'll be back in seven days' time. I'd like to thank you on behalf of The Jazz Show and myself, Gavin Walker, and CITR-FM 101.9 or on your computer, www.citr.ca. Take care, and we'll see you in one, two, three, four, five, six, seven days. Bye-bye.